Good evening, welcome to NUSC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, Thursday night, which means I'm joined by Super Mac and Gibbo. And before we get into an hour of uh, dissecting Newcastle United, VAR and goalkeeper crisis, etc., uh, our thoughts go uh, with Her Royal Highness, uh, the Majesty the Queen, who uh, at this moment is in Balmoral, all the family, uh, of course, uh, heading up uh, to be by her bedside uh, times. Uh, like this uh, really makes you pull together as a country and um, yeah our thoughts are whether whether you're a royalist or you're not a royalist um, it's uh, it's, felt that all day long oh Mm. it's it it is it's uh, it's very very sad news and um, it sounds as if the inevitable is going to happen but uh, our thoughts go with the royal family as I say I know appreciate some viewers won't be royalists uh, some people will be but um at the end of the day, you can't deny that that woman has done this country a, a fantastic service, given up her life for the country. But um, moving on to football uh, and Newcastle United, um, we've started with VAR every single show this week, and it's basically took over. So I'm going to start with something a bit different uh, and, and give Tom Dixon the opportunity to get in quickly. Newcastle on the verge of signing former Liverpool goalkeeper Loris Carius following an ankle injury to Carl Darlow in training yesterday and uh, there he is former liverpool goalkeeper probably best remembered uh, for a, a bit of a, a bit of an error in the uh, champions league final where he juggled the ball into the net but um malcolm um we were discussing before we came on air it's sod's law isn't it debravka goes to manchester united oh. on loan can't recall him until january and then newcastle get an injury to the number two goalkeeper how often this happens that uh that, that Eddie Howe has felt that he's got to do justice by uh, by Dubravka, uh, with Nick Pope coming in, lets him go, and hardly before Dubravka has... Well, before Dubravka has kicked a ball over there, or caught a ball, um, Darlow gets injured in training. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how long he's going to be out, but he's not going to be back in a hurry, is he, John? It looks as if he'll be out till November, Malcolm, which is a long time because you're then yeah. looking almost at the World Cup, aren't you? That's so, right. You know, so there's only Nick Hope, who's um, who's actually had Premiership experience in the club. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Now, I yeah, mean, Gillespie right, hasn't played, is. has he? Other than League Cup? No, Gillespie hasn't played in the league. Um, it's it's you can't believe it. It, it. That's the way it happens, but. Because I want to remain optimistic as opposed to pessimistic, in with the greatest respect to Carl, who I've got a lot of time for, first, it's better from the club's point of view that it happened to Carl and happened to Nick Pope, uh, the first choice keeper. Uh, so that uh, is an advantage. And I'm much more concerned the blow that Darlow is that we can get either Bruno and or Maxi back this weekend. It's the other side of the injury thing. Let's get them two back. We've already got Pope. I mean, theoretically, we can't take the risk. We can get through with Pope between now and November until calls back without Pope having to miss a game. Because yeah. if, you, if you think about it, it's November before we play in the League Cup. So we're only talking about Premier League games where if he remains fit, 
he would play every game anyway, Pope. So, mm-hmm. you know, it 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 minimizes the risk. It is such so you cannot believe that a guy could get injured. I mean, he almost was decapitated, if you remember Tranmere, uh, mm-hmm. when the guy ought to have been sent off. Yeah. yeah that that's done in training at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. It is Sod's Law, but it is not the worst thing that could happen to us. The worst thing that could happen to us is that Bruno and Maxi aren't available this weekend and against Bournemouth because we need them back quick just because we need the extra numbers. We need the bit of X factor. Bruno unquestionably brings and Maxi can bring on a good day. So yeah. I want to see them come back. Sure. Uh, and I want to, Nick Pope to be even Stevens. Under sure. normal circumstances, Nick Pope will play, because we're not even talking about a succession of cup games where you bring your second keeper in. Nick Pope is down to play all these games between now and November anyway. Yes, but- and also, John, um, I, that, uh, that, that the guy who's in the... In the um, uh, who's been in the England full side um, at the moment, keeping Pope on the bench. He's out injured. Correct. And that means that uh, Nick Pope more than likely is going to have two extra games. That's it. That's for England. with, uh, And that'll be against uh, Italy and Germany um, yes. prior to going to Qatar. Um, he's, got, so, he's, got to fight the, he's got to fight the Arsenal guy for the first team spot there, of course. Yes, yeah, um, but, yeah. Know, I but, think he's yes. in better form than 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 the Arsenal guy. In, in all fairness, but um, but it gives him a, a great chance to sort of uh, fly his own flag um, in just before Probably. going to Qatar. Probably. But as far as goalkeepers are concerned, Malcolm, the one that's reeling tonight is more Everton than Newcastle United, with Pickford out for Everton and yes. Paul Dolo out for Newcastle. It's a bigger blow to Everton, isn't it? Uh, without a doubt, yes. Very much so, because by heavens, they're relying on him an awful lot these days. <laughs> or Everton. Just say well done to Newcastle, but actually acting quickly, though, Mal, because, you know, that's the kind of thing that could have been, you know, a bit of a crisis, and they've, yeah. they've acted quickly to get on top of it. Well, yes, indeed. Um, but, but I think that what we can honestly say about what what we have at the club now is a professional group of people who are right on the ball um, and will quickly make decisions, quickly do deals, um, where, where, um, where over the last four, well, 14, 15 years, um, it's, it, it's been umming and ahhing as to whether we're going to spend tuppence. I mean, the ironic thing is, guys, the ironic thing is that just a week ago, we were applauding the owners for doing the clever thing with Dubrovka and not letting them just go out for a full season, Mm -hmm. but having a recall close in January if there was an injury to one of our (laughs) goalkeepers. We're applauding them for being clever enough to do that. And then this happens. I know. It's but... quite, quite ridiculous. <laughs> but you can't, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And sure. Yes, and it, but in training as well. Yeah. Oh, God, it's, ridic- it's ridiculous, Malcolm. Yeah. It is ridiculous. And yes, yes, we're going to say that the goalkeeper who got in um, 
is naturally a goalkeeper that's not the top of his game. Otherwise, he wouldn't be available to buy because he'd be with the club. We're allowed to sign this guy because he's a free agent. Yes. And yes, he had oops a daisy last time he played for Liverpool. Big time. But we're not going to get anything else at this stage. So we've made the best of what is a bad job. But um, I remain positive and I remain where my attention's on getting fit the outfield players we need to boost the club. Well, look, looking at it this way, John, um, at least we, we've got a, um, a Liverpool player who didn't make an horrendous mess uh, like, like his uh, previous uh, uh, teammates did last night. Oh, they, they were absolutely sure. Well, he did the last, he did the last time he played for them. But yeah, that wasn't last night. Liverpool yeah. have, have become frightening. Yes. Liverpool have absolutely become well, frightening. Give, give Napoli their due. Uh, they were, I, I thought they were absolutely terrific in and around the box. Oh, no question. No question. But equally, Liverpool were horrible. But quite frankly, I couldn't give a monkey's about that. I'm much no, more concerned no, about I, it. I, I couldn't help it, the odd snigger. <laughs> yes. I mean... Klopp at the moment, I mean, it, does he look like a well-smacked bum or a well-smacked bum? Oh, brother? doesn't he just? I, mean, I tell you, there's honestly, more steam coming out of his ears. Than... Paces, <laughs> he could curdle milk at 50 paces, yeah. uh, Klopp. And it really, I'm not I'm not too just chuffed about that. You know, get on with it, Pally. Uh, you now know what it was like for us for 14 and a half years. And you yeah. know what it's not 14 and a half weeks. <laughs> a little question, a little question here from Ian, um, which helps us avoid VAR for another five minutes. Uh, Ian says, uh, "Evening, Steve, Super Matt, and Gibble. Hope you're all well, lads. What's your thoughts on Potter going to Chelsea for the tune? I think it could be good for us to destabilise one or even two of our rivals. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Mal. I mean, I think a lot of us were probably looking at Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, going to be the next man who was going to get his head on the chopping block, but Tuchel leaves." And then Potter ups it, up sticks and leaves a, a perfectly good job at Brighton. I mean, good decision, or do you think he could be out by, by you know, before the end of the season if he doesn't get things right down there? Uh, I, I think he's <clears throat> a very, very shrewd and very clever uh, young manager. I really do, and I, and I, I have a, a real sneaky feeling that he he, he could do really well at at, at, uh, at Chelsea. I think he goes into it quite brilliantly now that the thing that is going that he hasn't seriously been tested with at the moment is how to spend big money that he's he sort of had to work on a real tight budget at brighton chelsea look at it in a quite different fashion they look at it like man united do like manchester city and uh, and what have you and and so uh, um he the market seriously opens up for him, but nevertheless, I think he's he's a young man who can uh, who will cope with all of that. I think he's had extremely good um, schooling in everything that he's done, so that he, he comes well prepared. Um, and uh, and certainly, I cannot praise him highly enough for what he's um, done at Brighton with what I see of them on the pitch. They look absolutely startling at times. They are fabulous to watch. Um, and I think Brighton, dear me, they, where, where were they? 
sort of uh, um, not not uh, not too many years ago, um, and and he, he's always electrified that club. And can he do it at Chelsea? Well, if if he gets them playing like Brighton with those extra expensive touches, uh, 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 then um, yeah, I think he could do very well at Chelsea. I really do. A lot of people, John, pointing to the fact that uh, Dan Ashworth was at Brighton and his, you know, shrewd um, decisions yeah. behind the scenes, bringing in youngsters uh, yeah. for, yeah. you know, for, for Potter to develop. Um, yeah, it's going to be I a mean, huge thing to replace for Brighton, isn't well, it? Brighton, Brighton are now, if it is possible, because they're the most organised club you can think of X number of months back. Now, having lost Dan Ashworth and Potter, it almost in one fell swoop yeah. on this way because they've got to start again on every level. Now, yes, our listener who was on about is it good it destabilizes uh, clubs that are our rivals? Yes, it does exactly that. Potter, I think, is a terrific manager who's brought a breath of fresh air to the way he looks upon football, the way he plays football. You look at their record, they're in the top four, in the top five. We, in something like 4-1-1, the record, of, this is off the top of my head, our draw against them now looks a terrific draw because you look at the rest of the results this season and they'll just go win, 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 win. Yeah. We, yeah. That result of ours now looks absolutely terrific. Two things I've got to say on Potter is Malcolm was on and he was right about, you know, he's now got to handle transfer activity that is up three notches. The other thing, guys, that I think is up three notches, he's now got to handle superstars. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Player-wise, I mean. Nobody at Brighton thought they were bigger than Potter. Potter ran the show, they listened to him, he did that. He goes into superstars at Chelsea... And they think they're superstars and they should run the show and they should do. He's got to prove that he's strong enough to handle that without the background of being a Mourinho or a Ancelotti yeah. or a Benitez or a, that's been around the block. This is a fella going around the block for the first time. Now, I'm not suggesting for one second that he can't handle that, but that is his new challenge. Uh, also, from our point of view, is it good because it brings Brighton back into the pack? Yes, it is. Is it bad because it puts Eddie Howe one notch higher to become the next England manager after Southgate? Because you presume that Potter, if he does a good job at Chelsea, will be beyond England. It probably puts Eddie Howe higher up the FA ratings, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So we'll like have to compete with that. Yeah, that I hadn't thought of that, John. Yeah. But uh, by the way, I would love that sort of problem because if if we are worried about get about other people wanting Eddie out, that means we are continuing to do well. And mm. that is terrific. And if we continue to do well, I think Eddie Howe will be loyal to Newcastle United. Mm, yeah, interesting. Mm. Lots of questions coming in, and uh, we'll go with this one. Blue Rhythm Boy says, many saying that Howe is nailed on for the England job now, assuming that Potter wouldn't be available after the World Cup. What's your thoughts on that, Malcolm? Well, that's taking it that Southgate uh, won't, won't be in the job. And if he does well 
um, over in Qatar reason reasonably well, then I think you'll stay on in the job. So uh, I, I, I don't think it will be a question at all. Um, if if England uh, um, really do poorly, yeah, then then it, it becomes a problem. But I think that how he's too new into the job at Newcastle, it, not just now, but but come the start of, of next year, he, he is still new into the job. Um, and so uh, mm, I'm not, I don't think that he would take it. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that he would feel that, that he's ready, that he's ready for that kind of part-time job, if, if, for want of a better expression, because that's pretty much what it is. Uh, the, the thing with young football managers who take the England position is that they're not in it on the week-to-week, week-to-week um, match basis. And I'll tell you, that's a miss. Gareth Southgate, um, he's he's a quite different personality to, to your, normal, uh, your normal football manager. Um, he's sort of far more studious about the whole thing. And so give him, give him the time, which is what England does. They give him the time they, to study all the various players and what have you. And I think that he relishes that. I think Southgate is ideally suited to the England job. How um, uh, and Potter, I think they're suited to um, the clubs that they're at managing club football. John, your take, does it does it make you nervous? JCP Motors, uh, MOT Centre saying anyone worried he might go back to Brighton? I, I doubt he'd want to go to Brighton when he's got a project like Newcastle. Anyhow, no. No, Brighton is on the level of Bournemouth two up. Not the way they play or what the level at now, but the size of club, etc. Et I don't think there's any chance of him going to Brighton. I think more of a concern is whether we go to England. When I look at the way England managers are and the way the FA perceive them, you look at Southgate and he's this serious, calm, modern type manager. He fits the capability of working with the FA and taking them on and being the right image. Potter has that image. Howe has that image. Kevin Keegan didn't. He was in a motor, you know, uh, to a certain extent, Terry Venables did, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think how fits the FA mould. I'm thinking of it from the FA's point of view. Southgate is their personal, perfect type of manager. I think they would think if ever anything happens with Southgate, somebody like Potter or Howe would be good for us. It depends when it happens. But Southgate has been there that long now by international standards. And England are always seen as being there or thereabouts that they should be perhaps winning something. You know, the golden era when they, when they had Rooney and Gerrard and Lampard, etc., etc. Under Southgate, they've gone close like semi-finals and finals, etc., etc. Now, if you go to Qatar and you don't win it, and you don't get close to winning it, 
you go out and say a quarterfinal or something like that. There's some people within the FA and certainly within the, the media nationally that will clamour for change. Uh, and that is one of the worries whether some suddenly the think Southgate's run his course. Um, and then I think I would come into the ratings. Um, but quite frankly, we can't live that sort of life. We've got him here. He's happy here. And let's look at it the other way on. In the managerial job, and you know, Malcolm, you've done the job, and Steve and I have all watched it over the years from the outside. You're only three games away from the sack and four games away from a knighthood. So at any time it can go, it can go absolutely either way. So, you know, we're trying to second guess a situation where we're desperate not to lose uh, Eddie Howe and all of a sudden sure. with Eddie Howe still got a job. It, you know, and and as you say, John, that he, he, he's just recently got a, um, got a new contract when he hadn't what? even been in the job for a year, gets a new contract. That's how impressed the new board are with him. Well, Absolutely. When a, when a manager feels that loved, needed and desired by, by his employers, poor dear, he's, he's just going to keep giving it his all. He's not going right. to want to leave that and I guess, really I guess, solid I guess the, situation. The interview in The Athletic, I mean, I'll, I'll pick out this quote in particular. When a manager's giving you this kind of... This isn't just, this isn't just waffle. This isn't just kissing the badge kind of stuff. I'm not in it to be popular on any one second team, Eddie says, and it is like a symphony crashing in my ears. I'm in it to try and win, to create a culture and an environment where we don't accept anything other than winning. To do that, you can't be labelled nice or soft touches, and that means doing everything to get that win. At times, that might be unpopular with opposing teams, opposing supporters and referees. But you know what? It's it's that kind of mentality. He's building up a really good, strong dressing room um, I just, I just, you know, I'm very positive about everything that he's doing, Malcolm, mm. and I just think he's a really good media operator as well. I think he is. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've got no complaints with the way that it's, that it's I all think being right put now, together. If, if we we can only talk about now, can't we? Yeah, we can guess about tomorrow. Yeah, but we don't know for certainty. We know for certainty today, and we know for certainty what happened yesterday. And right now, if a job was available to Eddie Howe, whether that job was England or Brighton, I don't think he would take it. What will happen in the future, you never know because circumstances change. But right now, I think he gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and says, Bonnie lad, you got a job against the world. Because I remember when Kevin Keegan got the Newcastle United manager's job, I said to Kevin, bearing in mind there's a player Kevin Keegan had done all he did as a player, including captaining England, etc. And I said, what about the Newcastle United job? He said, Gibbo, it's the best job in the world. And you know why it's the best job in the world? Because Newcastle United have won out. So I'm off a great mark to go out and win something. If I, if I take over Manchester United, where Ferguson's won 23 trophies, or I take over Arsenal, where Arsene Wenger has won 19... I've got to go 19 seasons to even equal them. But at Newcastle, I've got it. all the passion, all the, wonderful, all the wonderful fans, the huge crowd, and I've got a chance of winning something. Sure, and, and how close he went to it, John. 
and when I do, I'm the first, I'm the first guy to win something for X number of years. So yeah. it's the perfect job. And I think mm -hmm. the clever managers, and I think Eddie Howe is a great thinker. Yes. He thinks, hey, this is the perfect job because, mm -hmm. you know, nothing has been won, but the potential, especially with the new owners and the fans and everything else, the potential is <laughs> right. I stay here and win things. Then we look at what light brings after that. Sure. And I, and also uh, in the way that Eddie Howe is, is looking at the situation, um, that there is so much improvement required to what what it was when he took over that uh, um, that improvement in, in all areas um, bit bit by bit year by year and it and so it's constantly getting better and better and better and better you know and uh, um, with, uh, with with as Tuchel found out at at Chelsea, it's a short-lived job, you know. He, even though his his results weren't bad, and by the way, my, personally, John, I don't know how you feel about this, and you, Steve, I have a feeling because Tuchel was he was getting in the last two or three games, he's been getting so irate on the on on the pitch side during games, and I just wonder whether it whether it's that or whatever's been causing that that has caused all sorts of disruption behind the scenes. Um, and, the, and the board have just said, don't like this, got to um, kill it in the bud. I think, I think there's an awful lot of that in it, Malcolm, and I, without a shadow of doubt. And I also think that, unfortunately, they've got a new owner that wants to manage the club, be mm. a dad. new American owner. That's the yeah. key word, John. wants to do... It's called, when it comes across your screen, those little marks on the television, it's called interference, isn't it? It's and called it, soccer. It's, it's, called so it's not called football. I'm saying it's called <laughs> soccer. It's that, that's, where, that's where it starts off with the American owners, and it doesn't yeah. get any better, believe you me. Well, God help Chelsea. Yeah, the, well, the Americans um, understand sport so well that uh, they, have a, they have a game that, where... Where you constantly handle uh, the ball, and they call it football. Yeah, it's crazy, mate. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan, uh, and um, I'm just pleased we've got the owners we've got, and not the owners they've got. Um, believe you me. Okay, um, lots of questions coming in. I get the feeling the people in the chat don't want to talk about VAR either. So um, uh, I'm going to give a big thank you, as always, to the sponsors: uh, skipsandbins.com, telephone 0800 2545 2523, email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website www.skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay as you go Funerals, 304 Old Durham Roadgate. Tell us where you can find them. Telephone 0191 or give them a, a, a look on the website, www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists, www.gohd.com. And thanks to Mr. Vicky Sources, handmade in Cumbria. And you can find them at mrvickys.co.uk or 01768-210102. And thanks also to... Three Property Investments, who specialise in sourcing investment properties for their clients who are looking to invest in the Northeast. They offer a full in-house service from sourcing the deals to managing the properties for you. 
They've done over 100 plus deals in the past 12 months for clients all over the UK. Give the guys a follow on Instagram, matty.patter underscore northeast property and phil.read underscore northeast property. Or you can email Phil directly, phil at threeproperty.co.uk if you're interested in getting a good property deal. Uh, big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things and the qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls in Newcastle and the guys who do our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe, hit the NUFC Matters logo in the bottom right-hand corner and you can subscribe for free. Hit the thumb up to like the video, click share, share your social media and drop into the comments to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans or to put a question up for Malcolm or Gibbo. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify uh, and the rest. And if you want to become a member, click join underneath or go to the website, nufcmatters.com and uh, you can pay a one-off fee and get a pen, a cup, and a scarf and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. You can also use the QR code to get there. We also send out a free car sticker. Uh, if you subscribe to the show, just email john at nufcmatters.com to get one. And don't forget as well, we do support the food bank on the show. nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. Match day buckets, virtual, 365 days of the year. You can make a virtual donation today. And don't forget this rather fetching shirt, which I think John would probably suit, um, uh, with my image on it, uh, has been donated by Gemma Summers uh, for the Food Bank. Uh, if you get onto Twitter, at Steve Rafe, uh, place a bid. You could be the lucky or unlucky winner tomorrow night uh, and all proceeds from that go to the Food Bank. And I have <laughs> stuck the link into the chat uh, for the ASM shirt, uh, it finishes tonight in an hour, actually, not 24 hours. Um, six tickets left, 295. Uh, thank you to Football Prizes uh, for sharing this with us. Get yourself on there, it's framed, it's signed by ASM, well worth uh, 295 of anyone's money. And just a little update uh, John's now got a permanent residence at Pumphreys, so the next home game against Bournemouth, uh, John will be there with John Anderson, the two Johns. Uh, down in the cloth market to get yourself down and give John some support. And don't forget, Malcolm will be at the Dog and Parrot uh, pre-match and post-match as well. Big thank you to Tommy and uh, everybody, uh, both bars, for uh, welcoming us with open arms. Great to be involved with such a great uh, bar. Okay, next uh, in the questions, um, Eamon says, Mal, do you think with West Ham playing tonight, it will affect their energy levels against Newcastle. I hope so. Uh, quite possibly, yes. Um, uh, 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 now, are they playing at home? Or, I think they're away. Oh, they're, 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 they're at home, sadly. Okay, but nevertheless, yeah. Um, I Personally, I thoroughly enjoyed playing two games a week. I thrived on it. Um, and, I, and I used to find it such a bore going from... Saturday to Saturday with no game, where it was all training ground stuff. Um, but a lot of players, they can find two games a week uh, just a bit on the um, on the heavy side. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it can only be good for Newcastle, um, personally speaking. And um, yeah, I, I would, I would like to see Newcastle get get rid. Get right at them. Their, their confidence is low at the moment, and uh, and so uh, I think that uh, this and 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 get and the Bournemouth game that follows. You know, this is two sides seriously out of of 
of form um, and and it's a great chance for Newcastle to go picking up points. Yeah. John? Yeah, uh, I think that's absolutely true. I would like to think that this will affect West Ham tonight. I certainly think last week the effort we put in at Liverpool, which was a high-energy game, uh, the energy we put in the first 45 minutes was enough for an hour and a half at Liverpool. And the yeah. agony of being lobbed in the eighth minute of overtime, if anything at all, to produce a defeat, had a strength-sapping effect on, on Newcastle at the weekend against Palace. We've needed the... And also, because we play high press and high energy, I think our game takes a lot out of us when we played Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, like we did last week. I think the type of game we play, which is high energy, pressing from the front, counter-attacking, etc., etc. So I think this week, having a rest in the middle of it has been very beneficial to us. Um, and, yeah, we're going to West Ham, and as, as Malcolm said, it's not the West Ham of last season. Um, Results-wise, we're both exactly the same. It's quite a surprising fixture because you look normally at Newcastle v West Ham and you would say, this is two clubs on the up and up. This is two clubs that suffered badly, their fans, from a lack of imagination, a lack of inventiveness and a lack of hope. And all of a sudden we have. They've gone into Europe a couple of seasons. They're overhitting their strength up in the top seven. We are heading towards the same thing. So we're both clubs of great hope. Yet we both go into this match with only one Premier League victory in six starts. Now that is surprising not only for them but for us. If their bubbles are burst, we're always blowing bubbles, they say. If a couple of their bubbles are burst, on results alone, a couple of hours have. Because one win out of six, you can equally turn that on the head and say there's only one defeat out of six. This is certainly not a time to panic. Because our performances have been way above what results are, I, in my humble opinion. But we ha nonetheless, it's got to be said, facts are facts. We've won one game out of six. The reason why that is suddenly a little bit shuddering is because we expect it to be Crystal Palace. But for VAR, which we're not going into too much, I suspect we would have beaten Crystal Palace because that was a clear goal, even though it was an OG. Uh, so we would have beaten Crystal Palace. Then it would have been slightly different. But it's one out of six. We don't want to go one out of seven in terms of victories at West Ham. West Ham are third bottom. They're struggling. Mm. We have got to try to win at West Ham without yeah. a shadow of doubt and follow that up by winning against Bournemouth and going into a break. Very healthy, health restored, lovely jubbly. But one out of six, we've got to address that. We're yes. better than that. We'll prove we're better than that. Now we've got to prove it with results. Sadly, uh, we've got to interrupt tonight uh, just to say that the Queen has passed away. 
the Queen has died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. Uh, the King and the Queen Consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. So, uh, 96 years of age uh, and probably a first for, for many of us, uh, losing a monarch. And, uh, yeah, very, very sad day for everybody concerned. Malcolm. Mm, yes, indeed. Um, I was... Uh... Three when I watched the coronation, and here we are. What is it? Sixty-nine years later, and now she passes. So basically, all the life that I've known, um, the Queen has been very much a part of it. Yeah, it's and a very, 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 very sad oh, occasion. And yes, very sad, but also, John, I think that she has been a, a quite brilliant and great monarch um for us and that we are all a very lucky people that uh, she remained with us for so I, long. if i remember rightly and we are really talking off the top of our head in reminiscing about treasured memories etc but i'm pretty certain that she was involved when newcastle were winning the cup three times in five years at the beginning of the 50s I'm certain <laughs> that she she actually went to those cup finals. Was that those games? One and was shaking hands when we went up to win the cup. She never she's never gone to cup finals for donkey 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 years. FA Cup finals. The Queen never has gone. Yeah, well, there. Prince Charles wanted this her to. Year, this she is giving the trophy to uh, Jimmy Schooler, which was Absolutely. that is the last domestic cup Newcastle United ever won. That's Stanley Rouse in the background. There's the Queen. Jimmy Schooler, Bobby Cowell. Bobby Cowell, isn't it? Yes. finals in five years. That <laughs> was a wonderful, wonderful moment. I remember those three cup finals. The moment the Queen handed over the cup and she stopped doing that donkeys years ago. And on the pitch was another one of Jackie Milburn shaking hands on one of the previous two finals with uh, Winston Churchill, etc., etc. Memorable times with huge, huge figures in our history. Uh, and, of course, that all stopped. Cup finals don't have that sort of pull in recent years. But that's a very, very special moment uh, of a very young and uh, vivacious-looking queen and a cup over to uh, Jimmy Schooler. And with that is so many years ago. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, wonderful uh, memories in there. An awful long time, the great Queen in the way that Queen Victoria was, that it lasted. And it's going to be a, an amazing time for, a, a, a difficult time for the royal family to pick mm -hmm. up the baton she's just put down and keep the standard of love and affection in the country at the level she had in it. It's now up to... Prince Charles and, and good luck to him because he's very quickly going to become king to carry on the affection that she created. And that is the challenge that the royal family face now because it's a momentous change in British history. And it's quite incredible that this is the news today. After it was only 24 hours ago, she was pictured welcoming a new prime minister into this country at 50 yeah. Prime Minister or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And 24 hours later, this is the news. But um, a wonderful innings. It is a complete change to the royalty because we, because the Duke of Edinburgh, who had 
as long a life uh, as well. They've both gone very, very quickly, and it's a new okay. regime for the royal family, and Prince Charles leads it now uh, with all the trials and tribulations that's got. But um, happy memories. And um, the first thing that come to my mind there was the happy memory for me of seeing the Handic Cup over to Newcastle United because we haven't had that since. If at the end of this season, Prince Charles, who will be King Charles, wants to get to Wembley, and hand the cup over to Newcastle United this season. <laughs> that would be a lovely bookend. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Any update on ASM and Bruno, says Colin John? Yeah, we're, we're at this situation where that will be such a late decision, it's untrue. Both are very, very close to making it. There's no chance of Callum Wilson making it this week. He's for a future date. And, of course, Shelby and uh, Kraft are out as well. For me, it is absolutely important that we get both of them or at least one of them back on the pitch because I actually think we missed them two against Crystal Palace more than we missed them against Liverpool because against Liverpool, who are playing at Liverpool, we could hit Liverpool on, on the counter-attack there was space in there. Their fullbacks play on the halfway line, Liverpool. Mm, so there's eight yeah. spaces when we counter-attack to get into space and hurt them. And we did exactly that. But Crystal Palace were a different kettle of fish. They had two banks of four, stuck them around the penalty area, threw us the ball and said, how are you going to get through this lot? We, we ought to have done. We got chance after chance after chance and didn't take them. Bruno has that X factor that could unlock it and make it happen. Now, Maxi in Malcolm especially knows and is especially being frustrated, and so have I. But on a particular day, Man City, Maxi was unplayable. Wolves, mm -hmm. he was desperate. Wolves, he was desperate, but he then scored a super goal. Now, yeah. that is the difference he can... When he's not there, Almirin of Fraser aren't going to be unplayable any day and in my humble opinion aren't going to score a super goal any day no, uh, and, and, did it once John, and, 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 a, so and a question I would like them back Malcolm alright yes yes fully understand that um, but, a, but I, a, a question arose earlier um, with regards to Anderson and uh, and should yes. he start and if if he were to, if he were to start and I and and, and I think that uh, maybe it would be a good idea. It would be in the place of Almiron. I, I would, I regardless, I mean, I want Maxi and Bruno back at West Ham, but I would still start Anderson. I've been advocating yes. all week in the Chronicle yes. for my But in Monday, the place of who, John? All the way. Well, there's two, there's two positions that it could happen for me, Malcolm. Is if you put Bruno in with Joe Linton, he could take the third midfield position because I would rather have in him than Willock or, or Longstaff. Okay. Or he could play out wide like he come on against Palace and played out wide left. Mm. Um, I don't think that either Willock, Almiron, uh, sorry, Willock, Longstaff, Almiron or Fraser can block out Anderson where he can't get yeah. a start. I think he is mm -hmm. due a start. 
I think he went away as a boy to Bristol Rovers and came back as a man. I think he's got a good brain. I think he's physically matured. I think he's on the front foot. And you know what? He's only going to get better by getting time on the pitch. All he's going to do sitting on the bench is get splinters in his backside. He's yeah. got to get out. He's got to get out there and play. And for me, all right, it may be a bit of a gamble because of his youth, but I'm sick of hearing that sort of thing. There is genuine chance to get him in. The, I think there's four chances. Mm. I, if you've got Almiron and Fraser and Longstaff and Willick, and you're telling me that Anderson can't get one place against those four, sorry, I think you could almost replace any of those four with Anderson. Yeah, a lot of people were asking the question, so you've saved me asking it. Would you play Anderson? Uh, lots of, yeah, lots of people saying, would you start him? I don't think you should be rushed. A bad run of games could ruin him. Happened to so many players who faded into obscurity. Treat him like Pep did, Foden, ease him in. Yeah, yes. Um, I'll tell you what, Steve. What um, I think I might have mentioned this before, but when, when I was managing Fulham, I, I, was, I was more than happy to... Well, I had a great bunch of kids... Um, coming along in um, in, in two groups, uh, one younger than the other, and so from the older group, uh, I put um, I put sort of four of the players in um, into the first team, and and they did brilliantly. But what I found with them was that you put them in, and you give them maybe about six games. But then you take them out because what what I noticed was that they were they were looking like that. They were absolutely mentally exhausted by it. And so bring them out just for a game and let them just sit and watch the game without going through all the stresses of it um, uh, and and letting all the all the tumblers fall into place as they watch and because or having been in it for six um, for six games, they now really understand it far far more and better than ever they did. So, uh, uh, just take them out for a game, then um, start to bring them back in once more, um, and you can do it bits and pieces um, by bringing them in off the bench. But uh, but explain to them. It's not because you're playing badly because you're doing far from that. You're doing great, but you. But it's exhausting you, and I want you to to just let all all that you've learnt fall through the tumblers into your head into the right place, so that. Uh, um, bec- and the reason for that is that playing at this level, um, you're thinking has to be quicker than you can actually think. It's got to be automatic. And that's that's what you want in the head of, of these youngsters. And, of course, it doesn't become automatic until they've played a few games. Then it just woof, comes it, it comes to the forefront. Whatever the situation in, in, in front of them, the right thought is there, and they do it. Um, and, and so... You just have to take them out, let everything fall into place, then start to put them back in. Um, and I noticed a text that said um, about uh, 
that Foden, um, that he would be put in, brought out, put in, brought out. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's to let all of the tumblers in the head, all of the knowledge that 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 um, suddenly heaped upon them, all fall into the right place. You don't want it in the wrong place. You have to have it in the right place so that so that in an instant, boom, the right answer comes to them, not the wrong one. I think you're absolutely right, and you have the experience, and you did it so well at Fulham with the kids from Parker to everyone else, Malcolm. Uh, and But I think this is the right time just to stick Anderson in. He's got to have a start at some time. Now, if Maxi doesn't make it, uh, I would start him for Fraser and leave Almiron in for his running, especially away from home. I would stick him okay, in for yeah. Fraser. Or if Bruno comes, if you don't want to do that because Maxi's out there, then you could stick him into the, the third midfield place. But I think I think he will give you that initially. He will he's quite fearless, you know. Young men become fearless initially. Mm -hmm. When they're in for a while, then they see the all the other things that go on. But they're fearless when they're going. And this guy has ability. And we are at the stage where you look. You I mean I looked against Palace. And I thought we'd run out of ideas. And in midfield, where you had Willick, Longstaff, and Joe Linton, Joe Linton was valiant, etc., etc. But I think we'll run out of ideas. This fella gives you ideas. And when he come on, albeit playing wide left, which yeah. is where he can play as well, there was a refreshing thing the, the, about us. Yeah. There was and one I thing. That I think he need, we need to say... Come on, Bonnie lad, this is your time. Let's go out yeah. there and do. And okay, if he does it for two games, if he goes down and does it West Ham and Bournemouth, then everybody has a breather. People become available again. People perhaps come back. The situation changes. But okay. right now, I think we need inspiration on Saturday. And that inspiration will either be Bruno and Maxi coming back or it'll be Anderson. Okay, so Anderson can also he can um, do the job through the middle. Yes, well he can. Wide. He can do the job from the from centre midfield yes. as the third centre midfield guy, well, or he can do the job wide. Hmm. Where's he gone? He's gone. He's disappeared. He's, he's frozen. He's flabbergasted about what ah, I just said. Was I? He's back. Well, we can hear you now. You're back. You're back. Right. There was one thing that I saw happen. He, um, it was very tight on on the wing, on, on the actually on the line. He was on the line, and there were three defenders coming down in, and and he passed it back, and it was not back to him. And I thought mm, the three are just going to crowd him out, um, but he played it just inside, made a little run, got it back. Knocked another little ball, and I thought that's clever, that's clever, and uh, and I was very impressed with that. He, um, he's not just a good player; he's a clever one, as well. Absolutely he can get right, out Malcolm. of the right spot. Absolutely right. Well, that's and a mark. His, his, grand, his granddad used to do quite well out on the wing. <laughs> Jeff Allen in the first cup side. His granddad was all right out there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good of point course. as well. Yeah. 
Good point. Uh, okay, um, let's touch on something that might have been on this show just briefly uh, this week. VAR. After the yeah. force of VAR recently, can anybody explain to me what the point of linesman is these days? Referees these days never seem to use them. It's money for old rope. They offer nothing to the game. Yeah, VAR, Mal, it spoiled our week last week, didn't it? Well, yes, it did. Um, and, and, I, and I thought... What are these people doing? They have the perfect tool to sort a situation out. And um, Willock has been whacked in the back, shoulder, he's been charged in the, in the middle of the back um, and, and pushed into the goalkeeper. So obvious. And it goes to VAR. And so it should have either been um, the goal be allowed, or you go to second best and give a penalty. And in the end, they gave a free kick against Newcastle, which was utterly bizarre. But then later in the week, what I what I understood was that Lee Mason said that the VAR recording that was put to him didn't include the push in the first place on Willock. All he saw was Willock crash into the keeper. Well, how, how ridiculously misused is the system, if that's the case? The, the, you, you have to look at the whole, and I don't mean going back, for, for heaven's sake, um, five minutes no, in no. play or anything like that, but you have to look at where, where the, the move sort of originates, how it progresses, and then what happens inside the box. For heaven's sake. And, and they took, and it actually took four and a half minutes to come to a decision, and it was the wrong one. Uh, I mean, four and a half minutes. It's, it's been it's, absolutely frightening. And, and, absolutely. and it frightens me, John, that it is... The Referees Association, who are getting this so wrong, it is showing all of us just how little they understand about the game of football that they're actually managing out on the pitch. I mean, if we look, if we look at the last three games first, technology, etc., was brought in to eliminate all the uh, possible controversies and produce the right answer. If you look, and I'm not blaming VAR all the time here, but if you look at the, our last three games, we were done two points against Crystal Palace because a perfectly mm -hmm. legitimate goal yep. was ruled out. You go to Liverpool and we lost a point there because the referee couldn't find his watch. He did obviously dropped off his arm into the mud and he played yeah. nine minutes yeah, before he could time. retrieve it. And if you go to the game before that, Wolves, Sean Longstaff got the shirt taken off his back in the yeah. penalty area. It couldn't have billowed out further than it did yes. and we didn't get a penalty. So, I mean, it has been absolutely ludicrous. But we are in the middle of that, guys, at the moment because, because if you take West Ham, they are coming into this match the same as us, absolutely furious. They are. Yeah. Because uh, they had a goal choked off that was an equaliser, 
So they're upset. And by the way, guys, may I point out that the guy on VAR on Sunday on the dreaded VAR is referee Tierney, who is the bloke that had the Arsenal game and give off one of the best counter-attacking goals I've I've seen this season, Malcolm, from the edge of the Arsenal box to Marinella putting it in at the other end. Mm. It was a priceless goal, but it was decided that the Arsenal guy had breathed on the back of Ericsson. VAR yes. told yeah, him yeah. to have a look at it, and Tierney yeah. ruled it off. He is in charge of VAR this weekend, so God help us. And right. if, you know if, what if I John... The last thing, if I may say about VAR, is what what we're seeing is that people are... It's not VAR that's wrong. It's the people that are yeah, looking absolutely. at VAR. Yes, VAR is brilliant if used correctly. Now, now the, the thing I loved, and this is not because the guys are Geordie, but at Nottingham Forest, my lover, the, 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 the referee who is a senior referee, the best in this country by a million miles, in my opinion, he was told that one goal was dodgy, go over to your monitor and look at it. He went over to the monitor, he looked at it, and he said, no, my decision was right, and the penalty stood. You need referees that have got the guts. The referee yes. that was at the, the, the Crystal Palace game, he was at about his ninth or 10th Premier League game, once somebody like Lee Mason was in his ear saying, I think you've got this wrong, because he gave the goal, if you remember, I think you've got this wrong, go across and have a look at it. You don't think he's going to then say, no, I'm right and you're wrong, Lee Mason. He's going to go the way that the official line has been. Um, Oliver showed what I would like to see a lot more, which is referees look at something and say, yes, I've looked at it, but no. Yeah. It was a goal, but right. unless you've got the experience of Oliver, I guess you're intimidated by what people are telling you back at that office. Um, but I mean, at the moment, VAR is producing more problems than it's yes, solving. It it's supposed I to have be. A, I have a solution. Problems. I have a solution, John, Steve, and that is that in the VAR studio, instead of just a referee, you have two experienced ex-professional footballers there and it is they who make the decisions on all footballing matters the referee makes the decision on the rules and if you work it that way you will come to um the fact of what actually happened and uh, not not some cock up by if by the uh, uh, the sole official but we'll manage to get through this without spoiling it with VAR. We've done every night to talk about, <laughs> honestly, VAR up to the up to here. Um, quick, yeah, quick it's costing us dearly. It is. Quick predictions, guys. Newcastle away to West Ham. Now, that is if the fixture goes ahead, because, of course, Newcastle, uh, and like everybody's games, may be off in, as a mark of respect to uh, the death of uh, the Queen today. Um, yeah. But, it, it, you know, we don't know. It's, it's, it's uncharted territory for us. And there are row problems on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, we, we're in an uncharted right. territory. We don't know how things are going to work. It's a different different era since we last went through this. So, we'll, we'll yes. have to wait and see how things change. But, yeah, if the game goes ahead at the weekend, how do you see it going, Malcolm? Um, well, I, I think that Newcastle 
I think they're really finding a way of, of playing um, away from home and, uh, and, uh, and taking the game to the opposition. Um, I, I, and, and I look forward now to Newcastle going to away games. Uh, I, I, I can see Newcastle getting out there and, uh, uh, um, and because I think they'll be angry. I think the players will be angry because they'll feel that, that um, last week was stolen from them, the week before that things were stolen. And so it goes back through the season. Um, and, and I think they must be getting really fed up with this. And, and so uh, I, I, I have a feeling that uh, Newcastle are going to win and that uh, they, they will shock West Ham. Okay, John? Your score line? Or do yeah, we go on, Mark. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Newcastle to win 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Okay, John? Yeah, um, good point. Uh, as I said, we're, we're two sides coming off the back of not the greatest start of the season. One win and six for both of them. Um, West Ham are third bottom. We mustn't lose sight of that. I think a huge lot depends on the team sheet. If we've got Bruno and St. Maxwell, or whether we've got only one of them, or whether we've got neither of them. Um, because I've got to be truthful, while I will bang on justifiably and say we beat Crystal Palace 1-0, I've also got to say that when that goal was ruled out, I said to myself, well, we've still got half an hour the chances were making, surely in that half hour we'll score one and we'll win anyway. And we didn't. We suffered from the old malaise that we can suffer from. That we, in lots of ways, VAR cheated us out of that victory. But we didn't go and grab it ourselves, did we? We didn't, in an hour and a half of all the dominance, go out and get the goals. We've got to start doing that. And the team available to us will be vitally important at West Ham. But regardless of the team that we get at West Ham, if the game's on, we need to win it even more than we did because of what's happened with Crystal Palace being at draw instead of three points. We've got to go down there and win. It's not the West Ham of last season or the season before. It's West Ham of third bottom. Um and I think Newcastle will win by a single goal. I would have said 2-1 before Malcolm did, but why should I change my mind? It can be 2-1, yeah. and I will go 2-1, because I think Newcastle will win, because they ought to win, and because surely to goodness, it's our turn to win after what happened against Crystal Palace, after what happened at Liverpool, after what happened at Wolves. For goodness sake, if there's a big man up upstairs... He should be looking on us and say, Gibbo's had enough purgatory. I'll give him a break this weekend. I'll let him have a bit of joy this weekend. So I'm relying on that. Hear me, big man? I'm relying on that. I'm going for 2-1 as well, guys. Uh, yeah, I think Newcastle will win. I'm back tomorrow night, 5 o'clock with the three amigos. Uh, looking forward to chewing the fat with Steve, with Neil and with Keith. Uh, tune in, set a reminder. I'll post that up uh, tonight. And um, like I mentioned earlier, it broke whilst we were on the show. Uh, I'm going to uh, not play the music. Uh, let's just say thank you and uh, may her soul rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth. Thank you for everything. Indeed, yes. Thank you. Absolutely. 
God bless.